Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Are you living happily even after? Well, Dana Gresh is going to tell us this hour how you can be. Join the conversation. Call or text 800-555-7898. Well, many of you are going to recognize that name, Dana Gresh. She she is a best-selling author, a sought-after speaker. She is one of the uh, co-hosts of Revive Our Hearts with Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth. She's uh, co-written books with her. She is the founder of True Girl which provides a mom-daughter connection, including the True Girl podcast. She's got over 2 million books in print. I mean, she's done a lot of stuff. Uh, And so, Dana, I appreciate you joining us this morning to talk about what I'm going to guess is one of the more difficult books that you have uh, ever written. It is entitled Happily Even After. And uh, this comes out of a, a difficult time in your own life. Give us a little bit of the backstory. Well, um, my husband, oh, he's um, a rock star of a husband. He is like the husband that I never carry a piece of luggage on a trip. He is the husband that helps me clean the dishes every night. He is the husband that prays with me before bed every night. I mean, he's a rock star. But there was a time when he broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, I was waiting for him to pick me up for a date at the county fair sitting in my red leather chairs in our living room. And he came in and he said, I don't know how to find my way back to God without breaking your heart. And then he did. He broke my heart. He told me that he'd been battling lust and pornography, something that he battled before we were married, but we believed would go away. It didn't. And he had found victory, but had relapsed. And um, we're not very uncommon in that battle, sadly. The majority of the church is fighting the battle. We are the majority, not the minority. So we decided that we were going to fight for each other, not with each other. That wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. And God has written a beautiful redemption story in our marriage. Well, we are going to not only uh, unpack, you know, the the way in which God did the redemption story, but kind of some of the things that you learned along the way and highlighting God's work and involvement uh, through that process. And so looking forward to the conversation this hour. But as you said, this is a story that is not uh, the exception. It's probably far more normative than what we are willing to admit and talk about in the church. Do you think that's one of the problems? People are unwilling to talk about the fact that pornography is kind of this hidden epidemic, pandemic within our churches? It's a huge problem. Not talking about it is feeding the problem. Um, There's research that indicates that if pornography is a problem in your home, that person is struggling with loneliness. And someone who's struggling with loneliness is more likely to use pornography. It's kind of a which comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of conversation. But what we do know is that isolation and loneliness feeds this problem in some way, shape, or form. So when you have couples who are struggling, I mean, one of the troubles that I've had with this book is that I have 150 women in a private Facebook group right now, um, the majority of which are like, I'm so glad I'm here, but I can't tell other people about your book because I don't want people to know that this is happening in my marriage. And sometimes those women are like, I don't, I don't want to disrespect my husband. Well, I hope that you don't hear any disrespect for my husband today because he is one of the godliest men I know. The other day I was in a small group of 20 something women. They described him as Abraham. They're like, the only person I know who walks in as much faith as Abraham is your husband, Bob. Like that's who I'm talking about. We're not talking about 
completely rebellious men falling prey to pornography. We're talking about pastors. We're talking about elders. We're talking about Christian authors. We're talking about the cream of the crop in the church is not immune to this problem. And if we don't start talking about it, we're not going to start winning the battle as a church. Hmm. I don't want you to put any words in Bob's mouth, but as best you can, you know, he sat you down and said, I need to, we need to have this conversation. I can't pursue God without breaking your heart. Certainly no husband wants to break their wife's heart. Nobody wants to do that. But what was it um, that was so compelling going on in him, in his soul, you think, that said, whether this breaks your heart or not, I have got to get this out. Yeah, well, he. I actually asked him that question last week. We were away in a mountain house writing a men's book to go with this woman's book. And I was like, what made you, what was about that day, that time that made you do it? And he said, I had tried so hard to win the battle without breaking your heart. And I couldn't. Satan still had this grip on my heart while I had a secret. And the only way to find my way back to God was to involve you in it. And he said, I realized that even though I'd had periods of victory, I wasn't intimate with you because I had this horrible battle raging in my life that you didn't know about. And he wanted to be intimate with me. He wanted to be one with me. And so it got to that point where I had to be a part of the battle with him. How did things change once he finally had the willingness to bring it to light? Well, I, for the sake of everyone who's going to fight this battle, the change is slow. It's not like the next day I woke up and my husband was my knight in shining armor. In fact, he was quite the opposite. He was a lot of work for a while. And um, there was a lot of pain. I experienced some symptoms that were really a lot like PTSD. I wasn't diagnosed with PTSD, but I had unexplained physical symptoms, brain fog. Um, I wasn't myself at all. And that was my body telling the story of the trauma that was happening in our marriage. But I will say that one of the things that changed is Bob went from weekly accountability to daily accountability. Hmm. And he said, you know, I had a guy call me and say, um, you know, if you really want to win this, you got to call me every day. We got to talk about this every day. And I was like, every day, that's what my husband said. I was like every day, but that made a difference. And again, going back to that whole root issue of loneliness here, he has a man walking with him in authentic intimacy on a daily basis, erasing that loneliness. And it starts to erase the ache and the need. It doesn't fix it overnight, but it does start to help. Dana Gresh with us. Uh, she has written the book, Happily Even After. It's all about letting God redeem your marriage. And we're going to continue the conversation with Dana coming up in just a few moments. If you uh, want to join the conversation, maybe you've got uh, a question or a comment, you can feel free to call or text in this morning, 800-555-7898. Happy to pass those texts along, 800-555-7898. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. On YouTube today, Steve Copeland of Mission Field USA will be sharing about the largest mission field, or one of them, in the world, America itself. Click the bell to subscribe at youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve, and this interview will be up there too in due course. It's about 14 minutes after the hour as we continue the conversation with Dana Gresh, best-selling author, speaker, writer. She's a co-founder of True Girl. You hear her voice on Revive Our Hearts, and uh, appreciate, Dana, your willingness 
to engage in a difficult topic in your book, Happily Even After. When uh, your husband came and confessed that pornography had been a part of, of his life, um, you said that that was something that broke your heart. We probably have many women listening today who maybe suspect that that's something that is going on, or maybe they even just recently learned that that is happening in their marriage. What is the first thing that you would encourage a wife to do if she thinks that this might be a problem? Tell someone. Tell your your best girlfriend who walks with Jesus. Tell your pastor's wife. Tell your ministry director, your women's ministry director. This isn't something to walk through alone. Hmm. Um, it's really important that you walk through it in community. And many women again, come back to the fact that they don't want to disrespect their husband or they're experiencing shame themselves. It's not even about respecting their husband. It's about appearance management and they don't want to tell anyone. Well, I would tell you that Christianity is not a solo sport in any way, shape or form. You didn't come to know Christ unless somebody shared him with you. Mm -hmm. You were not discipled and matured in Christ unless someone mentored you and took time to train you and teach you. And when we are in periods of crisis, we aren't able to walk through the redemption without community. So it's just important that you talk to someone. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another, and then you will be healed. Confession to Jesus uh, is the only thing that forgives us. Um, and this isn't your sin. This is probably your husband's sin, but he needs to confess to Jesus. But when you confess that sin to other godly people in your life, and he confesses his sin to godly people in his life, that's when the healing starts to take place. So don't, don't put yourself in the holding room of healing by keeping a secret. Tell someone you need help. You know, healing, as you uh, alluded to earlier, is often a process. It's not quick. In fact, you said yeah. in some ways, maybe it got a little bit worse be before it got better. And so yeah. for the person who said, okay, this, this is new for us and we're on that journey. And right now it is just it's really, really hard. You know, I, I just, I don't want to know. I'm wondering if it's even worth it. What would you say to the person who's like, I, why do I want to engage in that? Why, why not just throw on the towel? Yeah. Well, uh, probably your marriage isn't working for you the way that you want it to work. So Bob and I talk about how we were making a lie, our refuge, we both knew something was wrong. Of course he knew what it was. Um, and the secret and the shame was such a heavy weight that it was, uh, he wasn't making eye contact with me, for example. There were all these cues in our marriage that were telling my heart that it wasn't okay. So he was in this cycle of using to medicate his pain and then feeling ashamed and hating his sin and confessing it to a man in his life. And then finding that he was in more shame and more pain because of what he, the secret that he had. And then he ended up doing again, the cycle every couple knows and is very familiar with at the same time, when he was walking through that cycle, um, my body, my, my, my body was watching things and observing things and trying to tell me it's not okay. So I was experiencing chronic headaches. I was experiencing muscle pain and joint pain, all kinds of things. I was in the doctor's office all the time. They're like, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. 
Every, nothing's wrong with you. Well, we now know that about 70% of women whose husbands are chronically using pornography have symptoms of PTSD. That doesn't mean that they're diagnosed with PTSD. That means their body is trying to figure out what's happening. And our bodies figure that out sometimes before our brains are willing to face the truth. So we were living in this lie is how we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Until we decided to get honest with each other, we weren't really able to walk forward in our redemption journey and our redemption work. It required him bringing his honest emotions to the table and me bringing my honest emotions to the table, having excruciating conversations until we could start to live in a marriage that we loved. Now, I got to tell you, last week we were in the mountains alone at this place, Eight years ago, we were in the same house and we were a mess. We fought the whole time. The quiet was creating anger in Bob. Um, and this time we enjoyed it. We were at peace. We were having coffee. We were praying together. We were watching the sunset. We were looking at the stars. Like we're a different couple because we rolled up our sleeves and did the hard work. And you can experience that kind of redemption in your marriage. You can. I so appreciate the hope that you are giving us and reminding us that it is a redemption journey. It's God's redemption story in the life of your marriage. And you've written about this in the book, Happily Even After. And uh, we're going to continue to come, uh, have this conversation with Dana Gresh coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to look a little bit about what that battle together looks like. You used that phrase a little bit earlier, that we decided to engage in this together. What did that look like? We'll find out in a few minutes. Stay with us. Dawn and Steve in the morning have just launched our Instagram channel. Head on over and follow Dawn and Steve in the morning on Instagram now. Well, we are talking this hour with Dana Gresh, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, co-host of uh, Reviver Hearts and Nancy Lee DeMoss. She's also the founder of uh, True Girl, uh, providing mom and daughter connections, and has written a book, one of many that she has written, but this one is called Happily Even After. And it's uh, really a story of redemption, God redeeming, doing a redeeming work in her marriage with Bob. And Dana, you, you said something earlier about when Bob came and finally confessed that, you know, his relationship with God was hindered because of the pornography problem. And that was, you know, he, he knew he was going to break your heart in confessing that. But, mm -hmm. you know, that needed to happen. You chose, even though it was really painful, to engage in the battle with him and for him, not against him. And so what did that look like for the two of you to engage in this together as a couple? Well, one a really important piece of information to answer that question is that it is imperative that a woman works with her husband because if he's been using pornography for any length of time, his brain is damaged. Hmm. Um, there are some clinical complexities that in, are involved with this specific sin. And just to kind of give you an understanding of that, if you took a photon, a, a spec scan, a, like a functioning image scan of a man's brain who's healthy, um, it's smooth. The surface of his brain is very, very smooth. But the surface of a man's brain who's compulsively using pornography over a long period of time, maybe months or uh, chronically for years, or even in a cycle for years, his brain looks like Swiss cheese. There are like these holes in it. it you could compare it to the brain of a heroin addict. There's the sin problem has become a brain problem. 
So asking your husband to stop using pornography is like telling a man whose legs are impaired uh, and sitting in a wheelchair to stand up and walk. It's not going to happen. You can not pray it away. I mean, obviously, let me put the disclaimer on this. God's spirit can miraculously do anything to heal that broken brain, right? Yeah. But in most cases, it's going to require some clinical biblical support and help. So when your husband's brain is not working, just like when his body's not working, his legs or another part of his body's not working, uh, you, you know, in sickness and in health, that's what my vows said. So I am a required part of helping him heal. Your family is a required part of helping you heal if you have a pornography addiction. And so um, for me to help was essential. He couldn't do it without me. Um, And for us, that meant a couple of things. One, I had to just, I had to put on my big girl pants and not be emotional about it for a hot second and say, let's make some decisions together about where you're going to get help. And then after I got him kind of getting help, I had to get my own help because I could recognize I was starting to understand, oh, this is why my brain's not working very well. This is why I've been irrational. My body was telling the story of what was happening that my brain was in denial about. And so um, every woman wants her husband to ride up on a white horse and heal her heart, especially if he's the one that's broken it. That's not the way it works. The one who has broken your heart has no ability to heal it. Hmm. God is your healer. And you've got to get your own counseling. You've got to get your own help. Some of it clinical, some of it biblical. And hopefully those two can be together if you want your heart to heal. So that's how our work looked. That's how working together looked. Eventually, Bob got well enough to come be a part of healing my heart. And he has been my hero. But in the beginning, it required me being a caretaker for an unwell partner. That's uh, powerful, but as you said, that's something that you had committed to do, and uh, you were committed to to walk the journey, as hard as that may have been, to to walk that out. Um, for the woman who is listening this morning and saying, "All right, I hear you say I I need probably I'm going to need some uh, help too," because yes, he's got his problem, but it has impacted and affected me. What type of counseling would you encourage that wife to look for, or type of counselor to look for? Um, so that she can also be healthy in this in this journey. Yeah, I really encourage clinically informed biblical care. Without the Spirit of God, this is a sin problem in your marriage, right? The only mm-hmm. one who can redeem you is Jesus Christ. So it's got to be biblically based care. But your husband's brain doesn't work, and yours might not be working very well either if this has been a long time coming. So you need some clinical care, people that are going to understand the addiction model and people that are, are going to understand trauma so that they can care well for your heart. Dana Gresh with us, best-selling author, and she has written the book, Happily Even After. It's uh, really the redemption story that she and her husband have walked. And yeah, that story, as painful as it may be, could be true for you if this is something that uh, you are walking out as well. And uh, we're going to continue talking with Dana coming up in just a few moments, kind of about where they are right now. Because, yeah, it's a painful story, but but there is hope. <laughs> there is goodness. And uh, we're going to talk about that in just minutes. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning on Moody Radio. Why not take them with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. 
Well, you can uh, find that at your app store. Go grab it. It's free. And then you can go back and listen to things you may have missed. Like maybe you joined us a little bit late as we're talking with Dana Gresh. A little bit later today, you can go to the website or the app and listen on demand. Uh, Dana has written a book entitled Happily Even After. It is all about letting God redeem your marriage. Dana, you saw that play out in uh, your, your relationship with Bob. And as you um, had to walk the path of redemption, certainly forgiveness, trust, and hope were three words that I'm thinking were a huge part of that. Um, what did choosing forgiveness look like for you in, the, in this journey? Well, I love that you use the word choosing because it is a choice. A lot of times we think it's an emotion. We're going to feel forgiveness, but that's not the case. In fact, I chose forgiveness and I extended it to Bob. And the next day I sure didn't feel it. And I had to choose it again. And I had to say, Lord, I've chosen forgiveness. Help my emotions catch up with this. The Bible commands us to forgive each other. It's not really like an option. And obviously, if your husband is unrepentant, it's premature to offer that forgiveness. But once he is demonstrating repentance and it seems genuine, it is your responsibility as his sister in Christ, not as his wife, as a sister in Christ to extend forgiveness. But that shouldn't be confused with trust. Um, Trust takes longer to build. And it's not even that he's ever going to be worthy of trust. I mean, something that I've come to grapple with as we've walked through this is that Bob isn't trustworthy and neither am I. Like our bodies, for example, will give out one day and I'll have to care for him or he'll have to care for me. I don't know whose body will give out first, but the only person that we can truly trust in is God himself. And the Bible actually warns us against not trusting in pure humans. Um, We're not supposed to do that. There's lots of scriptures that say that, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a trustworthy relationship. And at the end of the day, trust is a gift we give each other. I choose to interact with my husband in a way that says, I trust you. And I tell him that I trust him because uh, he kind of like does many things that demonstrate that that's a good thing to do. I see him reading his Bible. I see him meeting with men on a regular basis for accountability. I see him uh, looking me in the eyes and being intimate with me and telling me the truth those things say this is a trustworthy relationship. But if you're in this journey, you've got to give your marriage some time to get to that place. Yeah. And I think that is uh, one of the challenges that we face in this instantaneous culture where we want everything we want and we want it right now. This is a journey and it's not going to be easy. And so because it is a journey, it can be easy to give up hope. But I hear you saying there is hope. Where, so much hope. When when you were in the the midst of the struggle, what did it look like for you to cling to and turn to to Christ for hope? Well, it looks like crying myself to sleep with my Bible on my chest. It looked like calling my girlfriends and saying, "I don't have hope today. Do you have some I can borrow?" Hmm. It looked like community. Um, that's what hope looks like when you're at ground zero for your marriage. And it looked like identifying lies and replacing them with truth. For example, I felt like a fool here. I was a Christian women's leader. Uh, I had written a book on sexual purity for teen girls. That's how my ministry started. Am I a fool? Do I look like a fool? And I had to come to the point where I understood you're never a fool to be a part of the redemption story in a man's life. Mm 
that's a gift from God. It's a great honor and to step into it with that truth rather than the emotions, the lies my emotions were telling me um, is essential. Yeah. So how are you and Bob today? Uh, we are the best of friends. We are uh, leaders who lead with our limp. Obviously, we're not afraid to say we don't have it all together, but we are leaders. He is a godly leader. And um, one of the most beautiful gifts is my husband, the man I prayed for for so long, has become the man I pray with. And he leads us in that. He prays every night over me and for me. And um, it, we're just, we're different. We're a different couple. We are redeemed. Yeah. Well, God is in the redemption business. And uh, yeah. that can be true of you as you're listening today saying, I hear Dana's story and I want that to be true for us. It is possible. Um, and she's written about that in the book, Happily Even After. And uh, if you are looking for some encouragement, looking for some hope today, certainly recommend that to you. Dana, appreciate your time this morning. It is a powerful story. And thank you for pleasure. being uh, brave enough and vulnerable enough to share that with us. Donna Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.